Are you excited to talk about oracles today? I'm excited to talk about oracles today. We have so many oracles that I mean, we need to just we really talk do. about them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oracle decks are both of our favorite. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I am more drawn to Oracle decks than almost anything else. Yeah. I f- uh I it's a hard choose between like Lenormand and Oracle decks because they both serve a nice per- like a fit. Yeah, right maybe now. It's, at least right now. Yeah, I mean it does kind of come in waves, but I feel like Oracle was my first because I got that tiny little angel card set yeah. from that nun. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I don't even remember what episode we talk about that in, but <laughs> it's there. L- listen to I think I want to say it was our mermaid tarot episode. Yeah, sure. That sounds right. I, our other intro to tarot episode, I think, yeah. where we talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. So I, my intro to tarot was through Oracle. And so I just still, when I see one, I'm like, yeah, I need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they fit at like a nice spot. Like every Oracle deck pretty much fit somewhere different and you're the oracle girl so like except for the only pressure of that i'm i'm happy to take on that name the raw the bad part is that i'm such a dummy about remembering deck names that if i (laughs) am put in a position where i have to remember deck names i think that everybody is going to be worse off but if there are other traits that can let me hold on to the oracle girl nom like whatever nom de plume I'll take it. I mean, I feel like it just fits because that's where your niche is. That's what you enjoy the most. I love so. them. I love them so much. I love them so much that I'm constantly, constantly messaging Claire about reissuing <laughs> various versions of her Oracle, Oracle decks. Decks. <laughs> I know. I mean, I keep thinking that I really want Memento Mori and a Jamie saw your title set. Um, I'm like, if what? I, I can't, I'm like, I've the, like, this has been something on my mind for ages. I'm like, how can I? I get Jamie and Claire in the same room talking to each other's faces and make this happen. I mean, I'm sure it would cost a buttload of money because Memento Mori is, is so how many, many cards, cards now? Yeah. Like 125 you have now to or do something like, like that? Standard. So that's like, we've talked about this a little bit, yeah. especially in our interview with Thomas from Hermit's Mirror about his Lenoracle deck. But the Lenoracle kind of methodology of Memento Mori is so fantastic because the beginning yeah. is all Lenormandy and then it extends and extends and extends and Claire's doing all of these cool expansion packs. So it's going to be like 140 cards, but when all is yeah. said and done. So that would be insane in tile format, but also so good. I know. So good. It would be, I mean, I'm just like, it gets me excited just thinking about it, but I'm like, oh, be moving mountains. But I feel like I'm that influencer. Like, we, uh, that happen. is that is who I am. Maybe our goal should be for our fifth anniversary of Wildly Tarot. We just had our third, like yes. last week, for yeah. our fifth anniversary of Wildly Tarot. That's what we buy for ourselves because it's going to yes. be such an extravagant gift. Even yes, exactly. <laughs> Even if it's just like a special limited edition for the both of us, yeah, we have to make it happen. Exactly, I love it, and that's the beauty <laughs> of of Oracle cards is that yeah. you know you can use literally anything, and in fact. The tile size would kind of like harken back to a lot of old school mm-hmm. methods of divination that are not yeah. card related. So there's more yep. of that tactileness. Uh. I love it. And actually, <laughs> Esther, you know what's hilarious about bringing up tiles is that I, one of the decks that I thought, oh, maybe I'll bring the Hilda tiles downstairs to oh, record uh-huh. this morning. And then I didn't because I was like, tiles are too loud for podcast recording. Oh, right, right, and then right. I got downstairs and every deck that was already down here did not want to work with me, which is why we've reorganized the way that we're going to be recording <laughs> these ep- these summer camp episodes today. <laughs> 
I should have just brought Hilda tiles. It's fine. Hilda tiles. I mean, because I felt I've they're handy and you can just go, but you can't shuffle them during the episode. Exactly. But That's why they sit in my they sit on my desk because I use them during the workday a lot. But yeah, I was like, yeah. this is not the noise that is going to be very great on recording. So I just left. It's them fine. It's fine. We'll do it later. It's fine. But I do think that maybe we should try to influence Jamie into doing more tile. Uh, yeah. Tile collaborations oracles whoa i just lost oracles, the, yeah i just lost the word oracle in an episode all about oracles, <laughs> all about so oracles. great great job holly <laughs> so what it's are okay. oracle decks i think that it's kind of a good idea to start by talking about other forms of divination that were mm-hmm. used as oracles sort of pre-cardomancy right right we have done an episode kind of like this before but it's not available anymore so i thought Mm -hmm. it would be fun to talk about other non-card related divinations that people have used as oracles over the years before we start talking about the distinction between modern oracle decks right i think we mentioned this a little bit in their the intro of our book because it kind of has to do with like Mm-hmm. It's a very good intro. Such a good intro. Amazing. Sa- some beautiful genius, <laughs> thoughtful, amazing genius wrote it. What was We're it? not going to say which one of us. <laughs> yeah, you can guess. You can guess. Actually, I'd like to hear your theories. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. It was one of those things where it was like, we kept putting off writing the intro because, you know, you can't really write your intro until you're done with the book. And then exactly. suddenly it was like, you have to have your intro done in three days. And we're like, okay. Well, our intro and like the acknowledgements page. And so Holly was like, I'll take the acknowledgements and you take the intro. And I was like, that's fine with me because I can't write acknowledgements without like weeping. So I write acknowledgements. <laughs> made me cry also and then also yeah. and now I'm looking back at it going like man I can't even look at it because I'm worried that we forgot people but we I know, tried I of course we someone's going to be forgotten but we at least got our parents and our husbands and <laughs> and the ghost closest to us I do feel like we did do like a it's been the pandemic we have pandemic brain yes please we did yes us. we did yes we did so. we're like please please forgive us anyway so yeah it is in the intro of our book a little bit because uh there is a lot I mean people have been using yeah. divinatory methods since the dawn of humanity as cheesy uh-huh. as that sounds like it has always been something that people wanted because all of us are looking to find meaning and purpose and right. understanding of the world around us. Right, um, right. So we have some that are like super common. And then I also have some more fun ones that we can talk about. Yeah. All of these are ones that I think I'd be interested in participating in other than the actual human sacrifice related ones and the <laughs> bird and trails ones. Even though <laughs> I did love HBO's Rome when I was in college uh-huh. and there's a lot of entrail reading that happens so in much. that. I know. Uh-huh. Is Rome I love it. like just everybody's bisexual awakening? I think maybe our if generation. I th- <laughs> Well, I, f- I feel like it was that and then, um, oh, what was that? Oh, um, The Mummy. Yeah. That and oh, The yeah, Mummy yeah, yeah. were like, oh, hey. The Mummy is like an everybody. ultimate, ultimate buy movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> uh, astrology is a very, very understood one, you know, like using yeah. the stars and the movement of the stars for divination reasons and development reasons. Super common. Most people who listen mm-hmm. to this podcast already do that. So that's yeah. kind of the basic one. Bird movement. I love augury. So this is uh-huh. like looking for migrational patterns or movement patterns amongst birds. And for some reason, I find it so delightful. Yeah. I just love it so much. 
I just, I just think it's like so cool how people are like, oh, there's a bunch of birds. They're moving this direction. This means this. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it feels so like, oh, they're all moving east. There must be violence coming. And it's like, uh-huh. what? Where is this what? coming from? How did... Right, right, right. I like my so, version of cool. augury, which came up for us last week when we realized that there was a pair of mourning doves that had made a little house for itself behind one of our cactuses. In our front yard. And that, and I was like, oh, this is a beautiful omen. Like they feel safe uh-huh. here. There's like an ecosystem in our yard that is healthy uh-huh. and strong enough for these sweet little morning doves to have found a right. safe little haven for themselves. And there's a huge family of crows that live across the street. So I also think that the morning doves selected that spot because it's safe and their eggs are protected from the crows. Cause even though I love oh. crows, they will They're kill sneaky. the shit out of your eggs. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and I, then so I was telling Nathan, like, it just feels like such a good omen. Like we're, we've done so much to our yard this year uh-huh. while we were home for the pandemic. And it just feels so meaningful that we have so much more bird life. And right. to me, that's how I would use augury is like, who's okay. feel, like who's moving in and by who right. I mean, which birds, how they're doing, <laughs> you know, what's uh-huh. going on with them. If they want to, if they feel comfortable and safe, that feels like augury. But the augury of like the Romans is way more like there's some sparrows and one of them is three of them are lagging behind the rest of the flock. Right. Flock. I almost said school. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> behind the rest of the flock. And uh-huh. so those ones or then that means that there's like three, you know, whatever, three people right. who are coming to visit or something. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's more how it works. Well, and wasn't it that poem from uh, what the Mrs. Blah, blah, blah book? Yeah. Yeah. Like something like that would also probably be considered aug- augury. Mm. Augury. Augury. What augury, is that book called? Miss, um, the Death of Mrs. Westaway, where there's that yes, like, yes. old English poem about. Uh, the crows and their yeah, meanings. The and number like of that. Yeah. Number of Corvids, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I do think of that a lot. And because we have a family of crows living across the street from us, I'm always like, I know that there's got to be a second one. Come on, baby. You can't just uh-huh. have one out here <laughs> in the world. The other day, though, we did get back from grocery shopping and the entire family was on our lawn. Like oh a fucking God. murder. Just like 10 <laughs> murders. I was like, this is alarming. Even though I'm not scared uh-huh. of them, it is alarming to see that many giant ass birds on your lawn. Uh-huh. So far, nothing bad has happened besides a toothache, though. So, you know, we're probably I fi- fine. Yeah. I mean, maybe that was like 10 teeth, t- like that 10 out of 10 pain. Yeah. Like- God, that was so brutal. <laughs> uh, so other ones. And I think that we've done this before. or We've talked mm-hmm. about this before, but bibliomancy, which would be yes. opening a book to a random page and then having that have your message. I remember yeah. in my very limited experience with like Bible camp, which I went to for like oh, right. four summers as a child. That was something we used to do all the time. I mm-hmm. think it's very like Christian to be like, open the Bible to a random page and then meditate on the first verse yeah. you see or whatever. Yeah. And that message is a message from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that a lot of different traditions do. Bone throwing, I also like because I think that we think of that in sort of certain contexts that maybe are a little bit more like early historical. But Uh the idea of bone throwing, maybe not literal bones, but small objects and bones is sort of transcends a lot of regional, uh, like geographic region and faith traditions. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then based on the way that the bones and small objects land and how they interact with each other when they land, all of that stuff can tell you something about your situation. Yeah. And kind of related to that is the I Ching, which is from China. And but they use yarrow sticks. Initially, they use yarrow sticks for like 
divination and then it kind of turned into the I Ching where like certain lines and certain yeah. things like aligned for certain meanings right, and stuff. Right, exactly. So. And then those, and I think this can happen with almost anything where it's then those symbols of like, oh, now there's seven crossing each other. Then they just get put on a card and then you use right. it in the card method. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and the people use ocean movements, weather patterns, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, totally. Okay, but there, these are some, some ones that I really liked that I found in a ranker article about the most fun <laughs> types of divination. divination? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to just butcher some Latin root words. Uh, Woohoo. Uh, what? Aileromancy? Aileromancy? This is a cat related cardomancy or car- cat related divination method. So they turn to cats to protect future events. Um, specifically by reading the way that they're landing Mm-hmm. And how they jump. So you oh. watch a cat and you would watch to see how it landed, what it did right after it landed, and then use that to interpret what's going on. So an example that oh. they have is uh, Iluromancy was most commonly used to predict weather events. For example, if a cat turned away from a burning log in a fireplace, it could mean the coming of rain or frost. It also sometimes is called Philodomancy, which... Uh, is the Latin root word and Iluromancy is the Greek root word for cat. So we're more familiar with like feline right. because that's feline, Latin, yeah. but the Greek uh. name is the other one. I just love the idea of using your cats that way. Well, a cat turning away from a burning log in a fireplace. I'm like, yeah, they would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would. Like, wouldn't you? Because it's like popping and hissing and making weird noises. You would. I mean, maybe they would like curl up beside it. And maybe that's like the other possibility. But I just feel like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be cold outside with a fire in the log of the fire. Uh, yeah, the sure. fire in okay. the log, the, lo- the, nece- the necessity of having a log in the fire isn't telling you the cold is coming. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, okay, whatever. Uh, and then <laughs> electromancy is the one that I think is actually where my huge flock of crows being oh, in my right. front yard comes into play because it's still mm-hmm. birds, but right. you control it a little bit more. So the practitioner scatters grain or seed on the ground. And then you observe like how many and how the birds uh-huh. come to eat it. Uh, apparently the most common type of bird that they use are a white rooster um, which is where the name comes from because electromancy means white rooster or the electro part. It means white rooster. Oh. Oh. Um, Cause it's a L E C T not E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, huh. You would, Oh, they also have a method where you, the diviner would write down letters on the ground and then scatter the feed on the letters and then observe which letters the rooster ate from first and then kind of like create a sense of an answer from that. And oh. this is sort of a similar, the, I guess Ranker says that the idea behind this is similar to a Ouija board. So like the, the white roosters being drawn to the specific area because of spirit basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But it just reminds me of those of like in Texas where they have the or probably other places, too. But I've only seen it happen in Texas in like some travel show where they have the rooster bingo where oh, a rooster walks around yeah. or a couple of chickens or whatever walk around in a pen. And then they wherever their poop lands is uh-huh. the next bingo like card that's pulled uh-huh. or whatever. So it reminds like me a of a long ass bingo game. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know how often chickens are pooping. They, I mean, they. I, I feel like if you 
like a bed depending on how many chickens they i mean they poop like often but not like every not literally minute. all the time yeah yeah <laughs> maybe that's the point because you're supposed to, it's like at a bar so they want you to hang out for longer okay yeah yeah that makes sense okay <laughs> there is one here where you take the like leftover rice at the end of your like especially like an older like in older traditions here in Korea where they would have like the leftover rice at the end of the year and they would throw it on the ground and see like what pictures or symbols or things came up yeah. to kind of divine from the rice grains essentially. Yeah, totally. It's almost like tea leaf reading, but with rice. Yeah. So basically yeah. It, like a way of using a way of divining with Oracle purpose is just like anything that's meaningful in your culture probably has a way of using it for divination. Totally. Where so totally. many superstitions come from all of that stuff. Yep. Um, I guess the last one that I wanted to mention is tyromancy because it is using mold that grows on cheese. And I appreciate <laughs> that so much. Maybe that's the important item in my culture, which is why I like the cheese mold cheese. method of divination. Um, it was most popular in the Middle Ages, but basically everybody used it. And you could also write different possible answers onto cheese and then see which uh-huh. one molded the first. Okay. And that was your answer. Um, okay. that one makes me laugh so hard. I just kind of really love it. <laughs> it's so wild. It's so random. You're like, okay, well, it and is. also a kind of a waste of cheese. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I'm like, well, some cheeses have mold. Is this that good kind of mold or bad kind of mold? Right. Exactly. Do you get to so, eat it afterwards? But anyway, yeah. so there are also a lot of famous oracles, like the Oracle of Delphi. There are a mm-hmm. lot of people that we call oracles. So the idea of oracle cards is relatively new, obviously, just like with tarot, kind of like increased in popularity as access to like mass printing happened. Right. Um, so there's not really like a, oh, the first Oracle deck, because technically any tarot deck that didn't have the, like, you know, same methodology as Rider Waite Smith could be considered Uh a Oracle deck. Oracle deck. Yeah. So that puts, I mean, like basically everything pre 20th century into quasi Oracle deck, because until there was like sort of a more golden dawn formalized structure of tarot. Mm -hmm. And now sometimes you'll see if there's a Kickstarter and somebody adds cards or takes away cards, there's always that crank in a Facebook group. Who's like, well, it's not technically tarot since they changed all the names or it's not technically tarot because they right. added four new cards or whatever right so there's always those people who see like tarot as being really specifically 78 cards without any mm-hmm. deviation and that anything right. beyond that is an oracle deck oracle yeah yeah that's come up uh quite a few times with like dungeons and dragons decks that become popular enough in like the game that they are printed because like they kind of like in dungeons and dragons like anything is kind of called tarot like any divination deck is called tarot deck but it doesn't follow yeah any sort of traditional tarot right. outline necessarily yeah which uh, which i'm like but in game they call it tarot card so in world it's tarot like yeah. so i so, you know so i'm like it doesn't really matter nothing it's just it's just language it's and just language. it doesn't matter it can change and shift and also if in yeah. the game people understand what they mean then that's like the same thing with my sister be like who always as uh slp is like it's right. fluent it, it's fine if you were if it's your first language and you're explaining something to someone who also has that language as their first language no matter how you phrase it it's correct because you both right. can understand each other so therefore you yeah. did it 
I mean, right. she says it much more smoothly than I do, but whatever. It's <laughs> early in the morning for me. But yeah. It's like that same thing where it's like if if people who are if people understand that it's a Dungeons and Dragons deck and they call it a tarot deck and Dungeons and Dragons, then it can just be called that. People know what you mean. Right. Right. Well, and also like the modern tarot decks are unrecognizable to people that would call tarot tarot in the, you know, 16th, 17th century. Yeah. You know, so technically what decks we have are technical tarot decks. Right. Exactly. Which is one of the reasons why I feel like there are some Facebook groups also that have really staunch anti-Oracle, like don't post any Oracle decks. And I think probably that comes from a place of Oracle decks being kind of misunderstood. There are infinite variations of what an Oracle deck is. So Mm -hmm. some of them can be really fucking cheesy and stupid and weird. Like, I think that all of the stuff that Doreen Virtue put out that is so angel focused and Mm -hmm. so, you know, I guess like kind of 80s feeling. And then she also turned her back on all of it and like turned into a kind of wacky evangelical Christian who like disavowed all of her past work. Like those decks i get why people would be like i don't really think that they have a place in the tarot right. well, especially since she's still making money from them right and putting exactly it in her pocket, so there's so. like other reasons for it but there are so many decks i mean because of the variation of oracle decks there's just a lot of a lot of ability to use them in really innovative and good ways yes. that don't involve like tarot necessarily but easily could and we've right. talked about that on episodes before. We often use them in conjunction with each other, even yeah. on the podcast when mm-hmm. we want to add a little bit of extra to a reading. And there's like this whole belief or this feeling that Oracle decks are like fluffy and not meaningful and that tarot is the real serious one. If you want to be a serious reader and Oracle decks are the ones that you want to go to when you want a little coddling, but no, that's not I've necessarily the case. I've never had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, first of all, what decks are you reading with? Yeah. Second of all, like it's just like this prejudice that's pervasive and toxic and I am not here for it. Right. Like, you know, there Fine. are fluffy Oracle decks, but somebody being yeah. an Oracle reader does not mean that they're only using fluffy decks. And it doesn't mean that Oracle decks or Oracle readers are surfacey people or that, you know, that is any way true at all. Like, yeah. sure. But tarot can be the same way because we have like cards like the four of wands or, and the three or of cups decks and... like the good tarot where it's just yeah. like really lighthearted and there's not a yeah. lot of negativity or whatever. Which is fine. Like, right people just need to chill out yeah so So, i think that just starting off with sort of a framework there are a lot of different types of of oracle cards but i think that they really boil down to two different styles one is standalone cards that are that have a meaning that you are supposed to spend your time just doing that meaning specifically the second type is where it's like themes that are meant to be used together almost. Like there's uh-huh. an idea in a card so you can use it much right. like you would use it for tarot. Yeah. So let's talk about the first type a little bit first because I think that we recently reviewed one of the first types and also they're the ones that people tend to be the most rude about. <laughs> okay. 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 Yes. So the first type is the type where there's like a specific meaning and you kind of use those decks on their own. So our favorite, the one that we use all the time is the one from Darling Tree. Yes. In Australia, Inner Star Oracle. We both have that deck and we both love it. I bought a whole bunch of copies to give to like my sister and my mom and basically everybody I know um, when she was doing a second sale because anytime somebody wants to sell me something for $10 off because there's a ding (laughs) in the box, I'm like, yes, please. That's totally fine. 
That is the perfect example of a card where you're, or of a deck where you're really pulling a single card and then using yes. that card as a jumping off point for meditation or as a theme for your day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it's different from the other style is that it often comes accompanied with a book that has further explanation or a mantra or whatever. Or in the case of the deck that we most recently reviewed that was similar to this, the uh, Le Maire. Yes. Whatever that one was actually called. The unbelievable you, me, something like that. Yeah. There was a pronoun in there. (laughs) Something like that. Whatever that one is. Or it has a full-blown sentence on the actual card. So it's harder in those cases to use it in a spread for example because each of the cards sort of has this theme that you're supposed to be focusing on individually right well i think of threads of fate where the meanings are like a huge paragraph right exactly that you're supposed to kind of dive into like they're not something that you can kind of you can read them in conjunction with other things but like for meditative reasons it's good to pull one card right so and those are the ones best. because they are often generally positive because the idea is that they're a jumping off point for meditation. So they're not going to have something where it's like, like, you know, doom and gloom because they want right. you to be working your way through it. So, so instead of having it be doom and gloom related, the cards tend to be about strength or about, you know, yeah. persistence or whatever, so that you're spending your time thinking about strength and persistence, not the, inevitable falling apart of your life or whatever right, that could right. otherwise come up. So they're I, very personal development focused. Exactly. And I think that that's why people think that they're fluffy because it's like, well, uh-huh. what's going on in my life? And then the card is like, you're strong, you're brave. And people who don't understand that the idea behind that is that you then go inside and think, you know, I, what do I need to be strong and brave about? How can I, right. you know, enact those traits within my experience with this? The people who don't see it that way are like, this isn't helping because what's happening is a crisis and this is just telling me to be brave and strong. That's not very useful. But like we joke about sometimes, it's like you have to kind of move beyond just that initial reaction to something and Mm -hmm. actually spend some time thinking about it. Yeah. Well, and two, I sometimes think this sort of attitude happens because people aren't willing to do that shadow work and see why that would be so offensive to draw. Yeah. You know, like, you know, being told that you, that you, that you're, you're able to be brave or you have to be persistent. Why is that negative to draw? Why is that a bad thing to draw? And why is it not? Yeah. Why is that less helpful than it, than a bunch of tarot cards that are telling you that it's hard? Like, because there's so many times where you pull a tarot card and you're like, yeah, tarot, I fucking know. It'll be like, like just a bunch of cards confirming your feelings. So how is that yeah. situation more helpful than pulling something well, like, reminding you to be brave and strong? You could being brave and strong. They could be like the nine of wands, that perseverance card and the strength card. Same thing. Exactly. Same message, just different delivery yeah. system. Another really good example of cards like this are anything, not anything, because he also does have a major arcana deck, but all of uh-huh. odd mix markets, more oh, yes. recent, super fun, innovative decks feel very much like this first genre where it's like, yes. the goal is that you pull cards, whether it's the potion uh, deck or the mystical, mythical creatures. Wow. Can't talk uh-huh. deck, <laughs> uh, which I wrote the affirmations for. Um, in those cases, the goal is not to pull 15 of these. The goal is to mm-hmm. pull one in the case of the, of the potion card or two yeah. in the case of the creatures card and then spend time with it and use that to prompt journaling. Yeah. Um, So I think that that's like a really uh, 
underappreciated genre of Oracle mm-hmm. cards. Yeah. And I just think it has to go back to Doreen Virtue and like the whole sort of like Christian angelic right. like push in that area yeah. because otherwise I feel like it would be a totally different approach to the genre from most people. Well, and that actually brings up a really good point because the uh, there are oracle cards. There's ones that like at my grocery store, at my Sprout, my local Sprout. Uh-huh. They occasionally will have like a mommy card deck oh, or whatever. Yeah. And it'll be like all just like loving things about like you know, appreciating your little ones when they're little or whatever, all the sort of thing that me as a childless person is like, Oh, whatever I roll. I mean, whatever helps, (laughs) whatever helps you raise wonderful citizens of the world who love other people and you great. Yeah. If this is it, that's fine. But I do think that one of the reasons why hardcore tarot people look down on decks like that is that it's an entry point for people that Mm -hmm. they deem too frivolous, like not arcane enough basically. So like, since it's so accessible for you to go to any store, like, and pick up something that's like flower based that has like Uh sweet little partial poems about like the beauty of the world or whatever, they see that as being less valuable because it is, there's no barrier to entry. Yeah. At all. And Christians buy it for other Christians. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Like seen in the same cardamancy kind of exactly. way. Exactly. It's seen as like an encouragement, encouraging like card message. Right. Like, exactly. like the Lemaire deck or whatever. Like it's like, oh, I have this little piece of cute artwork on my desk and it like helps me affirm things with Jesus, you know, things like right, that. Right. Exactly. So. And I think that that's, I think that that barrier of entry is what the hardcore tarot people who don't see any Oracle as being valuable are getting so stuck on. And I get yeah. it. Like, it's nice to feel like you're sort of like part of an in crowd who understands arcane knowledge. That's why there are cults. Because people love being the ones who get the truth when other people don't get the truth. But at the same time, as people who want everyone to feel like they have access to personal development, Oracle decks like this kind of Oracle deck where it's just a simple message with additional Mm -hmm. explanation or not even yeah, like the sacred creators is another good example of it. If you are somebody who's starting a business, you want to pick up sacred creators there's not, you're not using that in a spread necessarily. I think you can, that's maybe a gray yeah. area between the two different types. But if you're just somebody who's saying like, well, what should I be aware of uh, when I'm doing payroll today or whatever? And then something mm-hmm. comes up for there. It's like, it's easy. It's just no barrier of entry. It's still beautiful. It still gives mm-hmm. you that meditative uh, component of like shuffling and getting your head right. in the right spot, but you don't have to know anything to start with it. Exactly. It's yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, Sorry, gatekeepers, you know, yeah. hate it, but whatever. Like, <laughs> there, it's to me, it's a valid thing, and people just need to stop pissing on other people's what they like. Like, well, who seriously. cares if someone else likes it? If it's something you that know. works for, and I've had two different friends in the last like month or so who are not tarot people, like, they mm-hmm. may listen to the podcast occasionally because they're our friends, but right. they're like not really in this world. Yeah. And, but one of them got a yoga themed one. And one uh-huh. of them was given a plant-based one. Both of them yeah. have really, like, which I prefer in an Oracle deck too, no references to God. Right. And I'm using air quotes there because what does that even mean? But right. we know that in a lot of published work, when God is mentioned, it is a Christian God. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah. I like to avoid that. But neither uh-huh. of them mention God. They don't even really mention the universe as much. They just are, like, mm-hmm. really, really secular, I guess. Yeah. Non-esoteric card decks that these people are still getting a lot out of because it still is a really wonderful 
I guess, tradition or ritual to have for yourself to be doing the shuffling. And it's just totally. one little thing that you can be thinking about. It's not like some of those Kickstarter t- uh, yoga decks where it's like a bunch of different, like how to poses or yeah, something. to build yeah. a series of poses. It's just like about kind of things you can be thinking about. But anyway, so that's yeah. sort of like the first genre. Do you have anything else you want to add to the first genre? I don't think so. No, I don't. I think we've touched on all the high points. Okay, cool. So then the other other type of Oracle deck is the one that I prefer. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is exemplified by something like compendium of constellations, Mm -hmm. uh, which is each card has a single meaning. Yes. And so that's pretty common too. I think that one of the other ones that we reviewed recently that was like, that was the The little darkness. What was her? Yeah. What's that deck called? I'm looking in that general area. I can't see it. Oh, dang it. Uh, dang it. Hold on. Let me pull up with yeah. the Wildly Tarot Spotify. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Okay, BU was the affirmation card that we talked about. Oh, earlier. right, right, right. I did remember that. Reclaim Oracle. Yes, Reclaim Oracle is their Oracle deck. Um, yeah, so for these ones where there is just... Oh, I guess another good example of the previous type that we were talking about that we've reviewed recently was the illustrated bestiary where it's like, Oh yes. One card with a ritual attached to it and more information yes. where that's kind of like the way to go. A one it. card draw. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah totally. Um, okay. So then the second type where there's just one single meaning is the kind where you can use it in the place of tarot in every single case. There's no, yes. when you look at it, you're not like, oh, I need to spend more time with this specific card. I mean, you can obviously, uh-huh. but you also can just flip them out in any place of a regular tarot card. And I think yeah. the reason that the gatekeepers, the tarot gatekeepers hate those kinds is because they feel like it's cheating to be told so straightforwardly what theme you're supposed to be seeing from all of these different positions. Yeah. Whereas with tarot, you're looking at it, you're spending time with it, you're trying to figure out which definition of the Eight of Swords feels the most relevant. With an Oracle deck, it just is saying stagnation. Yeah. And so then for people who are trying to gatekeep it, it's just too easy for them. They're just unhappy with how simple it's coming (laughs) to people. But again, that's why I like it so much. I mean, I just really think that it's nice to 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 be able to go through it so fast Using the Oracle decks. There also is the fact that I have that relationship with Compendium of Constellations that you have with Memento Mori, where it's like just the deck that calls you out the most, feels the Uh most like, like drawn to just like, is Mm -hmm. that deck where everything kind of comes up. Um, And for me, Compendium of Constellations has been like that for like four years. Yeah. So I'm never going to stop using it when I'm doing tarot spreads because it always feels right and good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, even it's for me, I guess this just like exposes my annoyance with gatekeepers in general who want to make sure. Wait, you're annoyed by gatekeepers? uh, Just a little bit. (laughs) Just because it's just like, why can't people like what they like? Exactly. You know, why are you setting yourself up on this pedestal to kind of control others and how they divine? Well, I guess the answer to all of this is to just not go into tarot Facebook groups. Problem solved. (laughs) Except for ours. Ours Ours is is great. (laughs) We love Oracle decks and ours. We don't mind at all. But yeah, yeah, it's just like, you're totally right. If the idea is that we want this, and I think that a lot of people as tarot has gotten way more popular in the last like Uh four years, 
a lot yeah. of people who were already doing tarot feel like people need to prove themselves more. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that's, we, we were going to do a tarot summer school episode about runes uh-huh. And then everything that I was researching was making me be like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And runes is still sort of like that last bastion of you really yes. need to have a mentor for this. It isn't mm-hmm. something you can just pick up on your own. But a right. lot of people, especially in the 70s and 80s and even 90s and obviously before that, too, really felt like tarot was something that like should be kept more small and secret mm-hmm. and like, you know, mysterious And I'm not saying that everybody who's been reading tarot for 50 years feels that way. Especially if you're listening to our podcast, I don't think you feel that way at all because obviously not willing to listen to us just babble on forever about (laughs) stuff that we know barely anything about. But for people, some people in those Facebook groups really do just want it to be kind of back to the old eclectic forums, which by the way Mm -hmm. are excellent. If you are a tarot lover, go read through the old eclectic.com uh, tarot forums because people were having really awesome discussions about yeah. specific. They do like, they have a whole subsection where it's just card by card through writer Wade Smith. They have mm-hmm. sections about every single deck that came out before like 2015 when the yeah. eclectic forums sort of started dying down. But the other thing about that is that it was way harder to access because you had to know yep. where to find it. So that kind of allowed for that immediate ability to say, well, once you found the eclectic forums, you're probably good to go. But if you haven't yet, <laughs> if you're just picking up an Oracle deck and not putting in the work of learning it through communicating with other people, then like right. that sort of is, I don't know. I lost my train of thought, but there's just like, yeah. I couldn't land that at all. It's okay. You, but it's okay. We, in the, in the timey wimey stuff, you have landed it thank in you. a different timeline. You're fine. Thank you. Thank so, you. So yeah, you. like it, who, who cares if these meetings come easily or not, or st- specific or straightforward to me, sometimes like, especially like compendium or memento mori, they can be more direct and more mean than tarot can be. Cause I know. with tarot intuitively, I can like wiggle out of certain things like, Oh, this yeah. kind of swords. I'm like, you know, exhausted. Sure. Why not? But I can also wake up from this exhaustion, you know, when like memento mori will be, be like, you're dead. Like, yeah. like to my face, it will say you're like if, dead and exhausted. Or, or which happens with me more often than not. If you don't make an actual decision, you're just going to uh-huh. lose everything basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's it, like for me, especially specifically those two work. I know I was going to say, I feel kind of bad that it's just turning into like a black in the moon uh, stand love podcast, fest. but we have, we've always been a black in the yeah, moon stand exactly. podcast. This <laughs> is not beginning. anything new from episode one of one. the previous iteration of this podcast. We are black in the moon stand casters. We are. Who we are. also talk about tarot sometimes, but I feel like there are <laughs> other, there are definitely other decks like reclaim oracles and other deck that we, that that falls into this iteration. Yeah, I think that the um, who, what is Bakara's deck called? Which one are you talking about? The, the liminal space. The or- Yes, Liminal Space is a bit uh, like that. I think that. Liminal Space, I was actually thinking Liminal Space and also Jamie Sawyer's Nature Portals are also sort of the intermediate between the two yes. genres because both of them have, you can easily spend all your time on one. With Bakara's and also Jamie's, the... Mm-hmm. There is like a one word definition slash just going from based on what's exactly on the card. But then there's also additional writing that you can also look at. Um, So I think that there is like some overlap. There is some gray area between the two. But I do agree with you that uh, postcards from liminal space, because the cards themselves are so punchy, 
you don't yeah. need to read the additional words about it. So an alternative, uh-huh. if you can't get a hold of postcards of liminal space, I actually don't know which is more hard to get a hold of now between uh, well, Morgan's tarot. She has a new one coming out. Okay. The new one's coming out like in September, maybe. Can you believe that I just gave my postcards from a liminal space to a wildling who expressed interest in it? I wasn't using it ever. And she was like, oh, I love that. I was like, oh, I'll send it to you. What is with me? <sighs> Wildlings. Now it's worth like hundreds of dollars. It's okay. Or now not anymore because she came out with a second edition. Because she's doing edition, a but... second edition. Exactly. Maybe I'll buy it again. But Morgan's Tarot came out in the, yes. in the I think 1980, maybe 1980s? 1979. Yeah, and it like has that. a very yeah. similar vibe of like the line drawings and kind of like... I think we did a review of it, didn't we do a review Yeah, I think we talked about both on an episode, but... Maybe yeah, for yeah. either way, it's like the cards themselves are sort of like goofy enough that you can yeah. either read the definitions as written in the guidebook or yeah. just use the like on the face. Because like in Bacara's one is like sugar daddy. Be your own sugar daddy. Yeah. So like we all know what that means. Be your own sugar daddy. But if you want to dive deeper, you could dive deeper into her meaning or not. Which so, are always yeah, just so, so funny. The meanings of those fun. are so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that there is kind of like a, a little bit of like a gray area, but ultimately it's really coming down to two different styles. And yes. I think that like when you're going to use Oracle, that's the first step is figuring out which style you would like to use it for, because totally. there aren't any rules, just like with tarot, there aren't really any rules about how you read them. But with Oracle, it is helpful if you have a sense of how you would like to use them. So yes. you can do the same preparation stuff that you would use for reading tarot. You can do the same meditation. You can do the same mm-hmm. centering. You can do all of those same shuffling methods, all of that stuff. But then yeah. before you even start that, it's helpful for you to keep in mind, is this something that I want to pull a card from? Or is this mm-hmm. something that I'd like to pull a spread from? Exactly. Yeah. And also just think of the theme of your deck and the theme of your question. And will that deck actually bring insight or will it bring more confusion? Right. And you that's a good way of determining which style of Oracle deck it is. Also, yes. Because you're right. It can cause so much more confusion if you're trying to do like a three card spread about your week and you're pulling these longer, longer cards or, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just, it just takes that additional step of being like, okay, this is going to, sp- I'm spending more time doing this than I thought I was going to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah. also there are so many beautiful card holders out there in the world now that doing that Ugh. first style is such a good way to jump off a day. If you're feeling overwhelmed, yeah. even if you're trying to learn tarot, if you're feeling overwhelmed by the idea of pulling a card for energy for each day, pull an Oracle card in the first style for your energy of the mm-hmm. day and then pull tarot cards as what should I, what tarot cards should I be learning about today? Yeah. Rather yeah. than yeah. what is my theme for the day? Because then you can still use the niceness or I guess like lightness of the Oracle cards. If you're choosing a deck that's like that while mm-hmm. still learning tarot, but you don't have to feel so overwhelmed by that. Like I need a tarot card each day idea. You can just use right, an Oracle right. card instead. Yeah, and I like that alleviation of pressure because so many times we can feel such huge pressure from tarot where if you throw an oracle card in there, first of all, it helps you kind of blend both things. And yeah, you it gets you it. used to that. Exactly. Right. But also it kind of brings like a found like a grounding foundational point for your tarot reading. So you're not like if you draw the death card, you're not thinking like car accident or something like yeah. that. You're kind of like, oh, it's going to be uh, dealing with this. Yeah. My sister so. was just texted me yesterday. She's picked up Lenormand, which I knew she would because that's Yay. the way her brain works. And she she asked me like, what do you do with the jumpers? Basically, she didn't use that oh, word uh-huh. because that's not she's not like as into it as people who understand all the lingo. But 
I was telling her, like, for me, the way that I use it is I usually put it off to the side. And then if after pulling other cards, it feels relevant, I bring it in. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The conversation. And that's kind of like how you start integrating Oracle reading and tarot reading together. It's like you bring in both and then integrate mm-hmm. them together. So you're pulling both like an idea behind the sacred creators or whatever. And then also right. some tarot cards for like specifically what your next step are. And that combination is a great exercise for increasing your intuition, but also a great exercise for allowing yourself to not get so trapped in the rules of tarot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we've been joking about this a little bit with some of our uh, deck creator friends where like it can be so easy for people to get so stuck on what is right and what is wrong. Like, Uh am I reading this right or how you meant it? Or am I reading this wrong? So, for example, if you had a card, and I'm not going to use any names because I don't want to put anyone on blast, but if you had a card that literally just said nothing on it, and I think there are a lot of Oracle cards that just say nothing, like the word nothing or the meaning is nothing or whatever, how do you then interpret that within the framework of a reading for yourself? And the Mm -hmm. way that you could is to pull additional either Oracle cards from the same deck or tarot cards to say, how do I want to interpret nothing? Not to ask the creator and say, Hey creator, what did you mean by nothing? Cause that's not really uh-huh. getting your own interpretation into it. You exactly. Just let your brain kind of like follow that pathway to try to figure right. it out. It's not like for anyone out there, it's not someone else's responsibility to tell you what to think. You right. are more than capable of doing this yourself. And that's and the freaking beauty of reading cards is that exactly. you, you should really revel in the idea that you get to decide. Like the freedom and like the per- not only like not only the personal freedom that comes from it, but like because someone else that thinks of nothing or something or, you know, these specific words, it means something totally different in their life context than it would mean to you. Right, exactly. So that's like the beauty of this. It's like you have the personal freedom to do this. So be brave and do it. Yeah. You've got, you have, you're more than capable of doing exactly. that. So. And I do, and I really do feel like Oracle cards help people get there. And I think part of it yeah. is that barrier to entry. It's like I was freaking 15 when I started using Oracle cards every single day. And I didn't even know what they were because they had these little tiny angels on them. And it just seemed like a funny joke with sister Christine always putting like silence and like yeah. serenity on the top of the bowl. I don't believe she was doing that. I do believe that I, I actually do did need more serenity, but I, I had no, I mean, no one was telling me how to use them. It was just something yeah. that I would stop by this nun's office. She had like a Dutch door in her office. So uh-huh. even when she wasn't there, the Dutch door, the top half of the Dutch door would be open. And I would yeah. just reach into her office and pull an angel card for myself, put it back in uh-huh. and move on. And this is yeah. like a daily thing. And I was 14 years old, 14 or 15 years old. Like it is just easier to get into Oracle cards. Yeah. And then you find yeah. the ones that are like your soul Oracle cards, like freaking, mm-hmm. you know, compendium of compendium. constellations. Yeah. You know, what's wild about this whole entire podcast, just speaking of our what? third anniversary uh, that popped up on my feed the other day. It is so wild how we started this podcast thinking like, God, tarot creators are so cool and we're never going to know. <laughs> I know, but we know our favorites. Like, that's the thing. Like, I know. And our now favorites Claire's are people like, we talk Claire's to. Claire's like the, the, a friend that's close enough to be like, God, I'm so sorry for bothering you again. And we're like, Claire, you literally <laughs> could not Bother be bothering us, us if you tried. We are so We happy are the to be president and vice president of your fan club. Stop <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> But it's just so cool that like, like, yeah. because I don't know that our, the, that our enthusiasm for this stuff has allowed for such relationship building. It's just, so yeah. Neat. Well, and I think, thankfully, I think that 
ours is like genuine enthusiasm for what people create and supporting creators like yeah well, i'm not... sure we'll talk about this like next when oh, it yeah. comes up for the deck creation courses but we're not in any of this for free decks at all we're no. here to support creators God. and like you know stuff like that <laughs> i mean claire specifically is a good example of this where she just sends us free decks a lot we keep buying we keep pre-ordering everything yeah, bo- she puts out and then she's like why did you do that we're like claire because we want to support you that's the entire point. and we're also corvid so we want multiple copies yeah of yeah, yeah. I just in case multiples. something happens i mean you just never know right like you just gotta know have multiples and i always I thought that that was silly until you actually ruined a mesquite tarot by just having it oh get so yeah wet. oh i mean it's, it's still usable i still have it it's fine <laughs> but it's just like now i'm like okay so those decks that could literally be ruined we're getting double copy yeah them, so. yeah anyway oracle decks are the bomb.com they are just because they really are lady i just love them so much and every single time i see a new one that gets like that gets put on kickstarter and is slower to fund than the tarot versions of, mm-hmm. that have similar vibes. It always makes me a little bit sad because I just think that Oracle decks l- like are so cool. I think that mm-hmm. you get to know the creator so much more based on what they've chosen. Even if you're not necessarily totally. getting exactly what they mean by every card, mm-hmm. it still is so illuminating. And also yeah. it can be any size. You could do an Oracle deck yeah. of 20 cards. You can do an Oracle deck of 180 cards. Any of those yeah. variations are totally fine. And there's so much more room for personalization when you have mm-hmm. the Oracle structure, which is a lot yes. of structure rather than the tarot structure. And something like the, uh, what is that one called? The botanical deck Yes, where it's like, like six suits and like all of the, it's botanical with a K. Um, and it's, so cool. And it follows a similar yeah. tarot thing, but tarot readers who are really set in the tarot mindset would say it's definitely not tarot because tarot doesn't have that many suits, but it's a cool way of kind of like flexing your muscles and flexing your creative muscles. If you're the creator mm-hmm. flexing your intuitive me- muscles, if you're using them. And I just think that they're like, they, it can feel so intimidating. Yes. Cause there's so many different types But if you put it in the framework of what am I really looking for, either type A or type B, and then trying to decide which decks you'd like based on that. Mm -hmm. Another good example is um, the Hedgewitch Botanical Oracle from Ciola Thompson, where there's, again, kind of that gray area where it is one single concept on each card. But then if you want to dig into the plant magic itself, you can. Mm-hmm. And so starting with saying, what am I looking for? Am I looking for a card a day or am I looking for a spread making Oracle card? Then right. you can kind of start frameworking it in that way and then see which one you're more drawn to. I'm more drawn to the latter to type B, Uh huh. but I know so many people who love the type A type where it's like one yeah. specific card. And I think both are equally as valid and beautiful and have as many amazing artists who are creating those styles. So don't let the mass amount of Oracle decks overwhelm you and make you feel like you shouldn't even get started because the whole point is that there's a, there's no barrier to entry. You can just do it. Yeah. Or you can just pick up a pile of small bones and use those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find some, you know, bones somewhere laying around somewhere, but also like there is such like, I feel sometimes that tarot can be so rigid and narrow in its execute execution where Oracle is not so like if you're into animals, if you're into flowers, there's so much. And so it's fine. It's like, like Holly said, it's finding that specific thing that you're kind of desiring or whatever. 
and kind of just seeing what's out there. Yeah. And so if so if you're kind of like, okay, now Oracle's a little interesting to me, like ask people in our Facebook group, like, yeah. hey, I'm what's looking for an Oracle, Oracle like this. Yeah. And people can recommend something probably even more in your niche than what tarot can provide. Yeah, well, and actually that that brings me to another thought, which is sometimes in an effort to sort of like be in the zeitgeist, you'll see tarot decks that are really, really shoehorned into a theme. Yes. Like yes, I think yes, a good yes, example yes, yes. is the first drag race deck where it was like, this doesn't yes. make any sense. The alternative would have been to just create a really bomb. That's the second time I've said that. What is wrong with me? Am I being transported back to the nineties? A really, really great, uh, like drag race Oracle deck where then each of the drag Queens depicted, could you, you could actually rather than shoehorning them into a archetype, which they had to do for that first tarot deck, you could just have each card be about something that that drag queen exemplifies. Yeah, totally. And so then you can like get into so much more specifics with, like a fun sort of like cultural referencing Oracle deck or plant referencing or whatever, because you aren't trying to shoehorn stuff into specific archetypes. You're just allowing stuff to be what it is. And I think that that's why there are so many like plant Oracle cards Mm-hmm. because it's easier to say here's what these plants are rather than being like shit now i need to find a 10 of swords plant like wh- i guess poison oak or whatever <laughs> yeah like, it yeah, just feels yeah. like more pressure to sort of like shoehorn stuff in mm-hmm. yeah 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 totally 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 anyway oracles rock yeah they do big fan big haters fan. suck it we don't care <laughs> haters can suck it <laughs> We just like fully, fully turned into like little like punk kids in the 1990s. We're like, uh, I'll be outside. <laughs> this is what summer does to me. It makes me like my most grumpy form. I know. We are not good with summer. Neither of us are, are at no. all. We both hate it so much. But summer camp has been a great idea. It says. I love summer camp. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's our show. Yeah. If you have any questions about oracles, definitely go to our Facebook group because or our Discord because we love talking yeah. about that stuff and there are tons of people with great, great, great suggestions. Totally. And you can find us on a Red Bubble Shop and because we got certifications that are have been real, flying off the shelf. They have been literally flying off We've shelves. We've been getting a lot happy. of certifications lately. I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy like our inside joke is being spread amongst the millions. <laughs> the millions, please. <laughs> The, the three people. <laughs> Amongst the dozen or so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else do we normally say at the end of episodes? You can submit uh, rate us and review us. And review oh, yeah. us. oh, yeah. Our website, wildlytarot.com. Tons of stuff. A link to pre order our book, which we haven't mentioned yet. Oh, yeah. We mentioned yeah. it at the beginning of the episode. We kind of did. Yeah. Uh, pre order our book. You can still get that zine of all of the spreads that we created related to our book. If you pre order, um, there will be links in the show notes. And you can also ask any questions that you might have about tarot or about Oracle or questions that you'd like tarot or Oracle to answer for you um, on our website as well. Yeah. And, and that's go it. Forth in tarot wildly. Yeah, go yeah. forth and freaking tarot wildly. We love you so much. We love you. We love you so much. 